Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast presented by Prize Picks. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined by my guy, Sean Kerner, here to break down every matchup for week two. Sean, we already had the waiver episode yesterday uh, on the Fantasy Flex feed, but uh, how are you feeling now that you really crunched your numbers, looked through some data, uh, got your projections popping off. Yeah, so I feel really good now that we have data. Uh, Week one is always tough because we're relying on beat reports, speculation, things like that. But now we get to crunch the numbers. We have data. That's why I love week two. You know, we have a ton of overreactions. Um, Players, I think, probably underperform that I think are going to break out week two. So just a lot of exciting stuff uh, this week. How about you? Yeah, you know, it's always kind of, it, I think it takes me the longest to do my projections in week one because you're, you have all this new data. Um, you still have like your priors from last season. You're looking through everything and kind of reacting to it as you go, you know, so there's a lot of numbers that kind of surprise me as I look through them more. So I'm sure we'll touch on all of them, but yeah, yeah it's great to have, you know, some snap counts in there, kind of see some, some jobs that we thought were up for grabs in the preseason that we didn't really know what was going on. You know, it was good to see some, some kind of hard, you know, evidence of what's going on. So I think week two, uh, you know, that's when the season really starts. I feel like week one is kind of, yep. it's, it's, it's such a uh, clusterfuck, I guess. For better. Like, it's just so random. <laughs> it um, was. We had a very exciting week one. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that Ravens game. week this year. That Ravens game was one of my favorite games that I've seen in a while. Just because, yeah. like, you had so many things. Like, you had Lamar Jackson, even though it didn't necessarily show – early on in the, in the scoreboard, but he was, I thought he was playing like a different quarterback. Um, they were talking about it a little on air. And then uh, I thought the Raiders defense looked better than it's looked in like two decades. Yeah. <laughs> like Max Crosby, they couldn't, Max Crosby looked kind of like Chandler Jones. Just he didn't get the sacks, but I feel like he was in the backfield every play. 
um, and then and the way that game ended, and then Gruden trying to kick the field goal. And then, oh my god! And it getting was, the penalty. It was and saying, nah, fuck that. So <laughs> I I was texting you. I was I was putting together a uh, second half prize pick, uh, four mm-hmm. pick power play, um, and nailed it. But I had four unders, so yeah. I just wanted the game to end, and it went to overtime. And I had so many of these props almost go over. It was so nerve wracking, but uh, I did it. So. Check out the second half lines at Prize Picks. That was really yeah, I fun. I saw that. I, I the Josh Jacobs one was super high. Um, it, it was kind of like uh, almost like what they did in the first half, or like if they did poorly in the first half, like kind of like a still the projection for the whole game to kind of even it out. So yeah, um, those are some interesting lines. Um, so definitely an edge. I think people should check those out. Getting some second half action in if you're watching a game. There's always ways to get more action on a yes. game. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good call. I'm always looking for more ways to get action in the game. All right. And let's kick it off with this Giants Washington football team game. I bet the under at 43 and a half. It's already down to 41 Washington favored by three and a half on Thursday night. And Sean, the prop I'm going to throw out to you is Saquon Barkley over under 52 and a half rushing yards at prize picks. I think this is a pretty good line. I'm projecting it right around 52 and a half, but I'm going to have to lean under here. You know, we were ahead of the, the fade Barkley movement this off season. We kind of figured he would start off slow. Um, and that, that appears to be the case. So I I'm worried about this quick turnaround. You know, they just played Sunday. Now they play Thursday. So I'm worried they're going to limit his workload again. Um, and you know, this Washington defensive line going against the Giants offensive line is a huge mismatch. So I just don't know where Barkley's going to get, um, you know, running lanes. So if anything, they're going to dump it off to him um, in order to generate yards. So I'm, I'm going under on this line, even though I am pretty much in line with it. I think he, he has a low, low floor still. Yeah, so we got 71% of the backfield carries, but he only ran a route on 37% of the dropback. So it, he's hard to peg because they're actually using him a little bit more in the running game and less in the passing game um, than maybe we would have thought. Uh, Devontae Booker got 33% of the uh, routes run per drop back. And then Gary Brightwell got 16. So it was a, it was like a committee when it came to the receiving. And maybe that's because they didn't want to uh, get in situations where he had a pass block. I don't know. But I really don't know what to do with him. I would lean under as well just because you're facing another tough defensive front. Um, I have the median projected like right around 51, 51 and a half. So um, just under on the line. But um, 13 carries I haven't projected for. It's hard to it's hard to project them for much, many more than that. I have about 15 touches. So, um, yeah, that's uh, and I think that's a floor. I think that's that's what kind of you were looking for last week, too. Right. Like a probably a, I mean, a ceiling of 15 touches, not a floor. A ceiling of 15. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Any, uh, who do you like in DFS or, or, you know, start sit? Like who's your DFS cheat code here? I think the cheat code in this game is Antonio Gibson. Um, I was very encouraged by his week one usage. He saw 20 carries for 90 yards. I, I said, you know, last season he was still learning how to play running back. He's a converted wide receiver. Um, and the coaching staff was saying it's night and day this year. I think he's going to be an excellent runner. Um, and then we saw him uh, run 13 routes, uh, run per drop back, and uh, J.D. McKissick only ran nine. So he actually outsnapped uh, J.D. McKissick in those passing situations. And that's, McKissick that's, didn't get a target either, I believe. I think he got one. Like he had one catch for one yard or something. Like he basically did nothing. Yeah. 
Exactly. So that's, I mean, that's really where Gibson's massive ceiling is going to come into play where, you know, they were hinting he could be the Christian McCaffrey role in this offense this year. So all signs kind of point to that. So I'm getting in on him before um, a huge, huge game. Um, And, you know, with Tyler Heineke under center, I think they're going to lean on him even more. So um, I'm loading up on Gibson here. Yeah. For me, the, uh, the cheat code is going to be Logan Thomas. Uh, I like Gibson as well. I think that's a great play. But Logan Thomas, it, 92% of routes run in week one. And then you look at Heineke and, you know, in his, you know, he targeted Logan Thomas pretty much twice as much as he targeted anybody else last year. Uh, and so I think with this, you know, kind of th- quick turnaround, backup quarterback making a start here, you're going to lean on your tight end. And the Giants gave up an NFL high 10 catches to tight ends against Denver. Uh, and it, they gave up 85 yards and a touchdown and uh, could have been even more if Albert Okuebunam didn't fumble near the, uh, near the goal line. So I like this matchup for Thomas, I, the routes, you don't get higher than that from really any tight end. Although I, we got to talk about Mark Andrews later because I saw When I saw his numbers, I, it really surprised me. Um, but Logan Thomas near the top of the league in routes run for tight end. So love Thomas against the giants in week one. Let's go to the Saints and the Panthers. And man, Jameis Winston, I mean, the passing yard under for the season may still be good, but the touchdown <laughs> under is already in jeopardy yeah. after he threw five. So I'm going to throw out a prop, and it's not as high as you would think, maybe given like regression, but 229 and a half passing yards over under at prize picks for Jameis. Uh, this is definitely too low. And, you know, he only had 148 passing yards against the Packers last week because it was a blowout, because of those five touchdown passes. Um, and, you know, should be a closer game this week. I don't think we're going to blow him up by 30. Um, so I'm, I'm going to assume it's going to be closer. Although if they do win by 30, I won't be surprised. But, you know, the Panthers um, allowed, you know, Zach Wilson to throw for 258 yards. Um, so this is not a good defense. And I'm projecting Winston closer to 255. I think he's going to be much more efficient um, in this offense going forward. And I think he has a pretty high floor here. And yeah, 229 just seems too low. It seems like an overreaction to week one. So I think they're going to lean on Winston a bit more here. And yeah, I, I love this over. I mean, I, I got to actually say, I, th- I like the Panthers defense. I don't, I think it is going to be a pretty good defense. They held the Jets to under five yards of play. They held them to like, I want to say like under five yards of pass attempt and under three yeah, yards J- of carry. JC Horn looked really good. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. like they're the worst defense in the league, but you know, not I'm not good enough. They to... finish above average DVOA. I like I'm, I'm saying it's right. Like yeah. I think like, they, I think the side of the ball that you know everyone thinks they're going to be like this great offensive team like for some reason. I I actually think they'll be better on beating offense. Sam Darnold did not look great to me in Week One. Um, so, but I at the same time. I do think that this number's a little bit low, just given that you don't expect a team to go 38-3 every game. You don't expect to, you know, I mean, he was stuck on, wasn't he stuck on under 100 before that late uh, long touchdown pass? Had to be. Yeah. So Had to be, yeah. And Taysom really wasn't involved as much as I thought he would be. So, I mean, it really comes down to what what's your projected baseline for Jameis Winston just going forward? Like 240, 250 yards? Yeah, about 245 so yeah. yeah, right in there, right, right. You know, a little above, a little below average, but nothing too crazy. 
Okay, so for DFS, uh, who do you like as a cheat code? Uh, so last week, I wasn't too high on Marquez Callaway. I was definitely worried about the matchup with Jair Alexander. That's why I said Juwan Johnson might be a sneaky play. Uh, that worked out well. But um, I'm buying the dip here with Marquez Callaway because Jameis Winston looks so good. So I think he's going to benefit from that. Um, yes, the Panthers' defense might not be the worst in the league, but I think that it's a better matchup. He should improve on his one catch and 14 yard line from last week. So I think, you know, the market might move on him, you know, a bit here could be, um, you know, not on too many teams this week. So I'm looking to buy low here. Think he and Jameis can absolutely connect on a couple deep balls. Then we see him, you know, become the kind of wide receiver three we thought he'd be going into the season. Yeah. I mean, this, it makes sense because the Panthers did get roasted by Corey Davis, who's the Jets number one receiver. And Callaway ran a route on 88% of the Saints dropbacks, which is interesting because they didn't, you know, it was a blowout. And you saw the, the I mean, the Packers obviously are coming from behind, so they were throwing more. But uh, still, Callaway's numbers in terms of usage look good. Uh, the matchup did him no favors. And uh, the Jets look like a, a much more burnable, uh, let me say again. And the Panthers look like a much more burnable team by number one receivers. So I like Callaway. Uh, and I also like Alvin Kamara because I think he has a, a, a chance again to finish as the number one running back this week. You know, he's going to he's going to be competing with uh, CMC in the same game, obviously. But uh, I think it's going to be that kind of that kind of show because Kamara uh, carries are up a little bit compared to what he usually gets. Sixty five percent for him. Jones, thirty five percent and the routes are uh, over 70 percent. So he's getting he's still getting very good usage for a running back. And uh, this offense is going to lean on him. So the love Kamara as that stud running back, because you're getting a little bit of a discount on, on a guy like CMC up there. So um, I love uh, taking Alvin Kamara anytime he's right in that, you know, top tier, but not the top price guy. And you get a, a pretty good discount there. So uh, Alvin Kamara and Callaway, of course, love him uh, as well. Let's go to the Texans. Browns 12 and a half point favorites the total is 48 so the market's not buying Houston's week one success at all Tyrod Taylor at prize picks his passing yard line is 220 and uh, a half you going over or under that one so I think he's going to come back down to earth a little bit this week uh, but I still like the over here I'm I'm projecting this closer to 235 you know, he was chucking around the field last week. He had a 9.58 ADOT, which is the sixth highest. And why not? I mean, the Texans should have fun this year. They're probably going to be one of the worst teams. Why not just air it out? And Tyrod has always been kind of um, a sneaky, you know, play in that regard where he he does like to throw it deep. Um, he has Brandon Cooks. Um, I think Nico Collins will eventually break out. Didn't happen week one. But, you know, th there is potential here. This should be a pass-heavy game script. I do expect the Browns to basically dominate them. Here, so I, I think 220 is a bit too low. So again, I'm gonna have to go with the over for the the QB prop here. I like Tyrod this week, but I actually still have him under on the. I have him around 215 uh, for the passing yards. Uh, it's just hard to project a ton of passing yards for me and, and Tyrod Taylor. And I still have a lot of respect for this Cleveland defense. I mean, they played Kansas City in Week One, so you're not gonna really be able to look yeah. at the numbers <laughs> and gain glean much from it. You know, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they had their way. But uh, I think Brandon Cooks is still a long way from Tyreek Hill. So 
Uh, I don't know if if Cleveland blows them out, but I just don't. I just don't know if Tyrod's going to get that many that many yards. I think Houston's going to want to try to run the football um, and, and kind of play it that way. So I'm going under for Tyrod. Uh, who's your DFS cheat code? I'm going Nick Chubb here. This is just a classic Nick Chubb smash spot. Um, you know, last year he averaged 78 total yards and losses, 109 in wins. So, you know, this is a spot where, yeah, I, I agree that the, the Browns probably won't blow them out. I think the Texans proved last week that they're a lot better than we thought they were. Or, you know, the Jaguars are just the worst team ever. Um, but, you know, I think they keep it close enough where Chubb potentially sees 20 plus carries. You know, he really doesn't see that too often. Last season, he only had two games where he saw 20 plus carries because, you know, Kareem Hunt um, is the best backup in the league. They do like to work him in. So I think they keep it close enough where, we potentially see that ceiling game from Chubb. And, you know, this is definitely a two touchdown potential game for Chubb. And you know how much I love Nick Chubb going up against the Texas defense. This is just an absolute smash spot. I don't even care what price he is. You just jam him in. I don't care, you know, how many people roster him. You jam him in. This is the ultimate smash, smash spot for Nick Chubb. Yeah, I like Chubb. Uh, he is pricey, though. So I'm going to, I'm still going to. Don't go. care. <laughs> I'm still gonna go. I'm still gonna go. I mean, I, I would play Camaro over Chubb. That's what I'm saying. Like, and it's, it's you don't have to pay that much more for uh, Camaro, but uh, I do. I still do like Tyrod uh, as a as a cheat code because of just because of his price. There are a lot of quarterbacks that are significantly higher priced that you're also gonna want to play that that are gonna get the majority of the ownership. But uh, there is still some potential here for Tyrod. You know, he looked good in Week One. The offense looked good. And, you know, Cleveland can put up points. And so if, if Chubb is putting up points, I think it's still good for Tyrod. I think he's going to run around a little bit. Uh, and that's really why I like him. You get, you're getting that rushing upside there. And, uh, you know, you're not really getting that from, you know, a guy like Mac Jones, who's in that same range in, in terms of salary. So I, I still like Tyrod uh, in this one. I think he can do it as a dual threat on the ground. Uh, he's always going to miss some some throws. in term- When I say miss throws, I don't mean uh, – with inaccuracy, I mean, literally not see guys running open. Um, so that that's kind of why I'm not too high on his passing yards, but mm-hmm. I think he will run around. I think he will, the more dropbacks he has to take, um, if they get down, I think the more rushing yards you're going to get because he's going to scramble a lot. That's kind of what I, you know, we saw him play in week one. Uh, so yeah, Mike Tyrod as a, as a Chico, but yeah, Nick Chubb, I mean, he's, he's such a smash play. Um, but it's just like when I see Kamara sitting right there, I'm like, all right, I might have to go Kamara over him. Maybe I can jam them both in. I haven't, I haven't. Uh, that might be the the play. Yeah, actually. yeah. Because I can't, I can't fault you for taking Kamara, but yeah, finding a way to get both in. There's some other cheap options out there. It should be easy to go, you know, stars and scrub uh, approach this week. Yeah, I think early in the season you tend to have that receiver value because you know the, the market hasn't adjusted to you know the routes run and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and sometimes guys just have tough matchups in week one, which we'll talk about uh, right now because the Bengals are playing the bears. And before we get to Allen Robinson, let's start with Jamar chase because he surprised me. I was kind of on a wait and see week with him. I wasn't sure that he would even be like a full-time starter. T Higgins only played, I think it was 22% of these snaps last week one. Uh, but lo and behold, Jamar chase comes out. Uh, he silences all the doubters and critics, 100 yards, touchdown uh, for him. And the Bengals pull the upset. So great debut for Jamar Chase. Uh, where do you have his receiving yardage line for week two? 
Yeah, so I was I was with the the public in terms of like worrying about him. Um, but once I saw his prop go down to 40 and a half, I just had to buy the dip. And thank thank God I did. Uh, he looked really good. So, you know, we're going to see the market adjust upward. Unfortunately, we don't have a line out right now. So we kind of want to talk about it before we do. Um, so I'm setting this line um, right around 59 and a half. Are you going over or under that? So I'm at 57. So I'm like slightly under. I don't hate, you know, it's kind of, it's a good one. That's a good wine. Like, I don't think I would take action either way <laughs> on that one. Uh, but I mean, the, the potential is certainly there for another big game, but I mean, Chicago was really interesting in week one because you thought that they would have big issues at cornerback. And it felt more like outside of that, that play to early in the game to Van Jefferson with a safeties just kind of both, fell down or would they just like whiffed on the tackle and he just got up and ran untouched. It actually seemed like they held up decently well. Um, you know, obviously Stafford was able to get a couple of big plays here and there, but I, you know, it's the bears are, I'm still, it's still hard for me to peg the bears. Um, so I, I would stay away from the line that, that you set. Cause it's a great line, but uh, I think chase is still, he's still a, a wide receiver uh, three at least. So like I would start him. I wouldn't have no issue starting him uh, this week. But gee, I, I'm just I just don't know what to do about the, the Bears defense yet. Like it's still still kind of a mystery to me. Yeah, and I think Joe Burrow looked really good um, in Week One. So oh, that's yeah. that's great news, obviously for T Higgins. We love T Higgins. Great news for Jamar Chase, and he, he could probably support all three receivers going forward. So it was really good sign just to see Joe Burrow look calm, cool, and collected. So that's, you know, that's why I'm very bullish on the the Bengals receivers now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, CJ Usoma in my initial projections is like tight end 12 or something. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's up there. You have really come around on the Uzoma. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's probably just – he probably just ran a lot more routes than the other tight yeah. ends. So I may adjust him down a little bit. But the point is he's right – he's there. Like, he's he's getting enough – it's all routes or tight ends. For the, I mean, he was just to, running empty route. He he saw his target share was like nine percent when he was on the field, so he was just running wind sprints. Yeah. It seems but like. I mean, I mean that that like it's tight ends though. Like you have to project the same like around the same target share uh, per route. Get, like the game winning catch too, like to set up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know it's, he's in for like a hundred yard game this week. Yes. <laughs> um, Don't play him in fantasy though. <laughs> I'm playing him. Uh, oh, okay. Nah, maybe not. Nah, maybe maybe in DFS. Um, let's see. Uh, Chico, who do you like? Bengals, Bears. So I think this is a bilo situation for um, Bears receivers, specifically Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. But I think this is the week to load up on a Rob because he had a predictably quiet week one. You know, he went uh, six catches for thirty five yards, but he was going up against Jalen Ramsey. This is a week where we could see Justin Fields play a significant portion of the game we, we don't really know how this is going to work out um, but I think that would be really good news for a Rob but either way like he should feast on this Bengals defense just coming off a tough matchup this is a squeaky wheel situation where uh, he's he's priced you know cheap enough where um, he's absolutely worth it um, I'm jamming him in uh, to a ton of lineups this week yeah I mean how good was that Rams defense I mean, the yeah. game plan was just nuts it was like all right we're gonna let David Montgomery run all over us and they didn't even – the craziest thing about Robinson and his bad numbers were that they didn't even have Ramsey on him every snap. 
Like Ramsey yeah. was playing that star role. Ramsey was doing more work in like the run game, you know, making tackles for loss. He was he was all over the place. Like they had other guys on Robinson, and he still wasn't able to to really do uh, anything of note to help uh, his quarterback Andy Dalton. So I mean, the Rams are going to be it's still a scary defense to play. He goes right from Staley to Raheem Morris, but like that Rams D is not one to play with. Yeah, and you've been kind of pointing that out with Raheem Morris over the past couple seasons yep. that he's a sneaky good coach. So I agree, and I wish I would have known that before I uh, took the uh, under David Montgomery rushing prop. Um, I paid for that dearly, but yeah, it definitely makes sense to kind of invite the run. And I thought they, you know, played the Bears perfectly. Uh, I don't think the Bengals are going to stand uh, as good a chance this week against Allen Robinson, though. Yeah, and you know what I think it is with the Rams, just like not to get off topic, but. Uh, it kind of applies to the Bears, too, who play in this game. Um, they're all kind of proponents of that Vic Fangio defense. Mm-hmm. And that's like the two safeties back. And there's not – there's still the, – the league is still more cover three, you know, one single high safety, generally cover one, cover three. But, like, because it's like the smartest guys, Fangio, Staley, are doing that cover two – um, number one, I think it's going to start to, to gain, to be a trend again. But number two, I think you have to take notes of that in fantasy because those defenses that play that too deep shell, what's going to happen is even if there's a called pass play in the huddle a lot of the time, the quarterback will check to a run if you see those two safeties sitting back there. And so that's why a guy like Montgomery, you know, was able to have a good game, even though the Bears had a terrible offensive night and got blown out. You know, you don't usually expect a running back. Exactly. To have a good game, you, don't ex- but, you don't expect that. Yeah. Like that's the one situation I think we have to monitor when there's like, you know, we usually just kind of say, okay, underdog running backs um, are not the, you know, we're not looking for underdogs, but really um, there's going to be certain situations. I think when teams are underdogs against good defenses, um, you know, if the line can hold up, you know, that they're going to have some success just because teams are going to invite. And Kansas City has done this a lot, too. Spagnola plays a lot of cover, too. A lot of, you know, and, and even before him, Kansas City was just like, run on us. We, we, we have a good offense. Just run on us. Like, uh, so, you know, that's something to watch uh, and monitor in fantasy. I think is going to is going to kind of. So uh, Jonathan Taylor this week against the yeah, yeah no that like yeah. that, the, but that's what i'm really interested to see is like and we'll talk about that game so I, I won't even get into it now but uh yeah i like aaron robinson as well let's go to raiders steelers steelers favored by looks like five and a half now so that line was sitting at six and then raiders got that win <laughs> moves down a half a point the Makes total yeah <laughs> right the total is 47 Najee harris he got every carry in the backfield so Workhorse-wise, usage-wise, he did what we thought he was going to do. Unfortunately, both teams on offense, what a struggle in that <laughs> Pittsburgh-Buffalo game. Uh, oh, it was well. not pretty. It was not pretty. But, I mean, the uh, you know, Mike Tomlin rode unders when the totals between 43 and 51 are now 43 and 15. So, we should have probably expected that. Like. We're- was the wind was the wind effect in that game i remember turning it on and i saw a piece of trash just swirling like this hey don't 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 talk about the steelers offensive line like that uh, (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i I guess so right i don't i don't remember like specifically saying the wind is screwing everything up it was just like brief moments like there was gusts and it must have affected it enough because i mean josh allen was slinging around he was 
he was chucking it deep and he just missed on a couple of them. So that's why we'll get to that eventually. But I think Josh Allen uh, is set up for a breakout week. But yeah, I'm, I'm willing to overlook that game uh, a little bit in that regard. But um, yeah, so I wanted to go over the Najee Harris prop. Um, I don't see a market for yet on prize picks, but obviously they're going to offer it. So let's try to figure out what we would pick it to. Um, right now, I have his projection for 58 and a half rushing yards. And not uh, only did he get every rush attempt, he literally played every single snap. Yeah, I have this at 65. I, mean, I, th- I think I think you're, I think you're a couple yards uh, too low here because I, I just think this was a defensive struggle in week one. I do think to an extent you have to throw it out. I don't think the Steelers' offensive line is great. That's always going to be an issue. Um, but the Raiders, the defense, you know, if they had, if they had a vulnerability – against Baltimore. And I know Baltimore, you know, that run game is their thing, but you're still talking about them playing with like eight string running backs. Uh, they Baltimore was able to run all over the Raiders. I mean, Latavius Murray rumbled in for one. You had Tyson Williams with the long run. Uh, Thank God. Yeah, right. You know, it was, <laughs> I mean, no, but it was, that's, and, and, and I don't, and I don't, it's not the same scheme. Like it's, it's that they're playing a cover three. So it's not like they're trying to give up the run. Um, so I think it will be more difficult, but Anytime you have a guy get 100% of the carries, play, play pretty much every snap in the backfield, it's just hard to project him too low. Like, you would just have to knock his efficiency down to, like, ridiculous levels. That's kind of what I'm doing here, though. <laughs> um, I mean, this offense Against the line, Raiders, though? I, eh. The Raiders' run defense, look, I mean, like you said, they were facing the Ravens. You can't expect, you know, greatness against the Ravens. Um, but I thought they, they held their own, and... Um, you know, Najee Harris had to earn almost every single yard. 35 of his 45 yards were after contact. I mean, this offensive line paid him no favors. Um, so I think he's a, that's I good, think, though. That like you want the yards after well, contact because that's actually more predictive. Like the yards yeah, before is going to kind of regress to the mean all crazy. That's what makes yards for. Kind that's of what hard. I'm saying. Like, yeah, he's a good back. The, but the offensive after. line is not yeah, like not Nick Chubb is the perfect example of like a good running back and a good offensive line. That's why he's the only running back I ever project over five yards per carry. Uh, unless it's <laughs> uh, Derek I'm, Henry I'm so mad you're going to get that right again. Like I, I can't do it. <laughs> I just can't do it. Man. He's got five and a half. Like math just won't let me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just saying with the offensive line uh, that that helps. So that's why Najee Harris, I agree. It's a good stat for him. But that is a bad sign for the offensive line. It looked really bad. We we knew it was going to be horrible, but it was really bad. So he's going to have to fight for his life back there. Uh, he's talented. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he's still my cheat code, even though of the offensive line. So yeah, it, it, there's just too many like running back to our volume. That's another reason why I'm like okay, like we knew Najee Harris was going to have some of those kind of games. And then there's another play. I, I don't know if you saw where. They lined him up and I think it was in the slot, maybe even out wide around the goal line. Mm-hmm. And like, and he caught the ball and, and still didn't get in, but he caught it like at the one or the two. So like he's right on the precipice of having yes. like a huge game that he just, it was just a, a slog of a game in, uh, in Buffalo. So um, yeah, I think, I think you'll see better days for Harris. I uh, love him as my cheat code as well. Let's keep it moving. Bills, Dolphins, Bills, three and a half points. Road favorites. The total is 48. Interesting since both of these teams played low scoring games in week one, but 
Who is uh, there's no prize picks lineup that we love. So let's go with uh, who, who are you going with for the prop in this one? Yeah. So I wanted to set a line for Will Fuller here. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this is this is tough because Tua had a mixed game. You know, his 9.4 A dot uh, ranked seventh on the week, but he only completed three passes beyond 10 yards. So is that good news or bad news for all four? Bad news. Well, obviously, but... <laughs> I, Absolutely. I, no, I mean, more so Will, for, like, the future of Tua. Like, you would... you would. I mean, but it's a tough decent, defense. So let's give him another week. Yeah, well, week. and that's... this. My point is, last year, I like Josh Allen because Stefan Diggs was going to help him in the deep game. Like, will Fuller help make Tua a better deep passer? That's kind of my question here. Um, so let's try to set this line here. Right now, I have his receiving yards at 43 and a half. Are you going over or under that? Yeah, I'm, I'm more so at uh, about 48, 49. So, yeah, I'm about five yards over that one. Um, I mean, I guess the real question is, how many routes are you projecting? Because I'm at. Oh, good question. I got 80. I left Waddle. I kind of left Waddle alone and he was at 93. So that could be, that could be maybe I'm too high on him, but I, I knocked Parker down. Nah, they got to keep, they got to keep Waddle on the field. Now I have 90% for Waddle, 90% for Parker. Um, we're getting rid of basically all of Albert Wilson, 60% and <laughs> yeah. all of Jakeen Grant, 15%. That's all going to Fuller. So I have um, 80% for Fuller. More 11 formations, uh, less two tight end formations. So I got 80% for Fuller. Yeah, I have him at 78. Uh, so okay. I'm actually not far off. I guess I just, I, I guess I'm higher on Tua. <laughs> this is for now. Or you're not factoring in the median. Because I, I'm, I'm, no, no, project- no. I've not done that. I did. I did. I did. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'm projecting. Like, my, at, my mean projection for Fuller is 54. Okay. So. Got it. So we're, I have we're in alignment. Waddle 53, Fuller 54, Parker 51. So they're all in that same, yep, same range. Like it's, yep. it's, it's a crapshoot. Um, I just, I, I think Fuller's a really good player. So, I mean, there's even a chance that he doesn't have to catch a deep one. But at the same time, I have him ranked wide receiver 50. So, yeah. it's not a great week to start him. And, you know, last week on my matchup uh, column for the Sunday slate, I talked about, I thought Juju Smith-Schuster would end up weeding the Steelers and receiving uh, which he did. I think Deontay got the touchdown though, but uh, Buffalo, I think they're going to kind of funnel the ball inside. I think you want to attack, um, you know, Teron Johnson on the inside. I don't think you want to go at white and, and uh, who is it? Wallace on the other side. So yeah, I, I just, it might be a, you know, four catches for 55 yard type of day, I guess that's, you know, it's, it, if he gets a touchdown, great, but not really a confident play. For Fuller, I think he will help too as a passer, period, because Will Fuller is yeah. a really good receiver. That's so what I'm it's saying. It's not even about deep passing. It's just having Will Fuller on your team is much better than not having him. That's that's exactly my point is like none of these receivers are playable right now, although I do love Waddle. And Mike Jasicki's unplayable right now. Uh, and I have two of my top 20. So I think that if anything, it just makes Tua a good QB play, but that's about it. Like, there's just too many weapons right now um, and not enough yards to go around, but I think he will help Tua kind of reach that next level. I think, I guess what I'm saying is I think we need another wait and see week. Number one, it's, it's still a pretty good defense that they're facing. Mm-hmm. Number two, we don't know exactly how the routes between Waddle Parker and Fuller are going to break out. So not probably not a game I can target too heavily in DFS just because of 
Mm-hmm. Um, that I think, and you're going to talk about a guy, Josh Allen. I think he's always in play. Um, so, so, uh, talk about him as your cheat code. Yeah. So he's the cheat code here. I think this is a buy low opportunity. Um, and you know, the Steelers defense did look really good, uh, last week. And this, this Dolphins defense is really good. That's why I picked them last week against the Patriots, um, plus three and a half, but you know, Josh Allen was just airing it out last week as 9.9 a dot. Um, was super high. He only completed 59% of those passes. I think a couple more of those hit, he would have had a big game. Um, so, you know, against the Dolphins last year, he just torched them. He had the uh, 417 yard, four touchdown game in week two. Uh, week 17, he only played the first half and he put up 224 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, I remember that. So, I, remember I mean, that. this is a great matchup for Allen. Um, and I think a good stacking partner uh, is Cole Beasley. Uh, this week he played nearly every snap so he's you know a full-time player now and um, I think he has the best matchup on the inside in the slot he should be able to avoid Byron Jones Xavier Howard I think he could have a 10 plus catch game Um, so he has massive upside typically you know Cole Beasley is a high floor player but I think this week his ceiling is elevated so I kind of like a sneaky stack of uh, Josh Allen and Cole Beasley here yeah I have and this is why initial projections are interesting because I essentially do them and then jump right on the pod. But I have Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders in my top 36. Like they are both wide receiver uh, threes. Yeah, because Manny Sanders played over 90% of the snaps and uh, Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis 61. Yeah. yeah. So is I heard people saying sell high because he scored. Um, I'm not selling high on Gabe Davis. The reason we ha- we like Gabe Davis here is cold. if any one of these receivers, well, <laughs> if one of these <laughs> he, receivers, not, he, he really he has he has he scores a lot for a guy. That yeah, oh well, yeah, but I mean you can't trust them right now necessarily. You know to score a touchdown every week. But if any one of these other three receivers go down, I mean he's an instant wide receiver three. Not many of the receivers, um, you know, are bench stashes that kind of have that upside. So. Uh, I would not sell high on Gabe Davis. I would just keep him on your bench and you're kind of waiting for the opportunity to rise. Uh, but right now, yeah, it's it's hard to trust him because he, is, he isn't running enough routes at 60% to really bank on a touchdown every week, but I, I still love his upside. Yeah, I'm, like I think long-term, like they got to give, they got to knock Sanders down and give Gabe Davis more routes. Like I think Gabe Davis is just a better player at this point, but 98% of the routes for Beasley, I mean, that, that yep. sticks out to the point where I mean, Singletary is my cheat code. He played uh, – he got 80% of the backfield uh, opportunities, carries, and targets uh, in week one. Of course, Zach Moss was a healthy scratch. So, uh, I think it's great for Singletary. We saw the Patriots have success running the ball on the Dolphins. If not for a couple fumbles, I think it would have been a lot better, obviously, for New England. They, they, they could have kept running it. But, um, you know, it's it's really a situation where – you're getting a back here now that's going like 70, 80% workload. That's just not too, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to find. So the Dolphins allowed 194 yards on 38 touches to Patriot backs last week. You know, we saw Josh Allen kind of throwing it around the yard. Didn't work out quite as well as they may have hoped. I think you're going to continue to see Singletary be a part of this game plan. Are they, you know, he looked great in preseason and you, you hate to read into that. Cause it's like, usually that doesn't mean shit, but like, they did here. yeah. And shout to my dude, Justin Boone. Um, he talked about that. I think it was on our, on our sleepers pod. Lo and behold, Moss is the healthy scratch. So love Singletary, 
But I mean, Cole Beasley has to get an honorable mention for running 98% of the routes <laughs> per drop back in week in week one as well. So yeah, uh, you can know, go anywhere. I mean, just what, and it's crazy. You can just go anywhere in Buffalo here. Like, yeah, exactly. Since everyone. you're getting my cheat code some love, let me let me just say something real quick about yours. Um, his usage was very good, and he actually missed um, a, a few plays. I need to go back and see, but he had a shoulder injury, so they pulled him out for a little bit. I think they intended to use him even more <laughs> than yeah. they did. So yeah, like Zach Moss being inactive, and then Singletary's usage, like they view him as the workhorse back, and. When you have a workhorse back on an offense as good as the Bills, yes, you know, the Bills running backs haven't really been useful for fantasy, but Singletary has some serious upside uh, if this trend continues. Right. And it's just, especially after week one, like, you know, the way everything went down, like there's no reason not to use single, not, not to keep Singletary involved, just, you know, to keep defenses honest. Um, so they're not sitting back at those, at, on those throws for, for, uh, for Josh Allen. So yeah, yep. it's uh it's a, it's a good, it's a good spot for Singletary matchup is there. Uh, let's go to the Rams and the Colts. The, if you got the look ahead line, you're feeling pretty good. Cause I think it was Rams by two or two and a half. It's up to four. Uh, even though they're on the road, the total 47 and a half. Robert Woods took a backseat to Cooper cup in week one. Uh, where do you have his receiving yard line for week two? Yeah, so this one, uh, there's no lineup yet. Obviously, we'll get one eventually. But this this is one I wanted your opinion because he is very tricky to project uh, right now. He ran around 67% of the time. So I, I want to hear your – he hurt? Like, did we hear anything? Was he hurt? No, uh, I have no idea. It, with the Remember we had this come up with uh, Cooper Cup yeah. um, a couple years ago? He ran 100% of the routes. In week they ran more two tight end sets, and Cooper Cup was like a 50%. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, we need to find out more. He might've been hurt. Um, but right now I'm projecting him, um, for 56 and a half receiving yards. Ooh, uh, hold on. I got it. This is, yeah, this is a tough one. I, I'm at about 48. So yeah, I'm down. I'm, I'm, I'm under oh, that. Wow. I just don't, I mean, he ran 67% of the routes cup ran a hundred percent. So this, it wasn't like a mistake. Like cup was definitely the, like that true number one receiver. It was like Cup was no longer a slot guy. Yeah. And he and Stafford have a two hour lunch every day or something like that. They were saying Cooper like, Cup. He's like he cheats. He, he's a cheater. He like he like makes best friends with every quarterback. Remember, he was Goss' best <laughs> friend. He's like, he's yeah. like, no, nobody else is getting like I'm I'm, I'm is, getting my targets here. Like, this is out of control. Like Cooper yeah. Cup, where are you projecting? I have him uh for six catches for 72 yards, and that still feels low. Holy, oh yeah, that, that that's that's actually, I mean, that's high. I have him five and a half. I have him five and a half for six. What are you doing at five and a half? Like he's easily over six now. Anyways, it, it just seems like it's the Colts. I mean, you know, Tyler Lockett had 100 yards and like four catches. Like you know, it's uh, you know the Colts can still they'll run the ball. I mean, hey, but no, I, I don't know what to do with Woods. I have him at 4.3 catches. Yeah, uh, I really kind of worry uh, about him and the fact it's more so the fact that he didn't just. You know, he, he didn't just run 67% of the routes. Instead, he finished third behind Van Jefferson, who ran 88% of the routes, which also pissed me off because this was supposed to be the Deshaun Jackson deep ball, and it was the Van yeah. Jefferson deep ball. Yeah, like, come on. We get... every, everything I thought I knew about the Rams receivers, except that Cooper Cup is the shit. Yeah, well, like, yeah exactly. Well, <laughs> we, we usually get Deshaun Jackson as a top five receiver after week two, and then he gets a season-ending injury. We couldn't even get that, could we? 
Yeah. And you know why this scares me a little and why I think we should be somewhat conservative with Woods? Because you know how you always have those those random year two breakout candidates? I mean, Van Jefferson, yes. again, played more snaps than Robert Woods, who, as far as we know, was healthy and had a big play. So, like, this could just be a, like, Van Jefferson entering that, like, mix as, like, you know, the Cook's Cup and Woods triumvirate of a couple of years ago. Like, or Watkins, even though he didn't really do that well. But, like, this could just be Van Jefferson entering as, like, a legit option here. You know, like a legit yep. top three. That's and, why. And, no, no sorry. I, I was just saying that I think that Matthew Stafford – I was saying heading into the season, he makes that third wide receiver actually viable. Yeah. Back to the days where we had, you know, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. You could play them all as wide receiver twos. Um, now, I I was with you. I kind of thought it'd be Deshaun Jackson out of the gate. I'm not concerned about Tutu at, well, at all. And, you know, I, mean, I just I thought. Am. You're not huh? like, I know he didn't play much. Uh, I'm not but, concerned. But I mean, long term, I, I mean, they, they, they really like target him in preseason. I feel like long term, they're he, trying to get him in there somehow. He could be I mean, the, it's probably going to be at Deshaun's expense, but yeah, he could be the occasional like one deep ball a game Marvin Hall role. But I, I just thought <laughs> Van Jefferson be the guy that would step up. Uh, and it already happened. So what does that tell you? Like, you know, buy low on Jefferson while you can, yeah. just because I think this offense, we want to invest in it. I mean, Matthew Stafford looked great. They utilized play action perfectly. Like this offense um, is one I want to invest in. And yeah, if Robert Woods is now the wide receiver three, Van Jefferson would be the wide receiver two. So just, I'm all over Van Jefferson here. And my, we haven't even talked about my cheat code yet, but I'm obsessed with who I'm about to talk about. Yeah. Talk, get into it. Cause I, 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 know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I have him. Right oh my God. Five. So Tyler Higby. Oh, 93. Holy shit. All right. He has he has a massive season coming, and thank God he only went five catches for sixty eight yards and no touchdowns week one because we still have a chance to kind of buy in on him. Oh my goodness! But oh my God, he played every single snap. We're you know we're not worried about Gerald Everett or Jacob Harris is irrelevant right now. Ninety four percent routes run. Um, he had the fourth highest expected yards after catch according to Next Gen stats. Crazy cool thing they do with that stat. Um, and you know, he had a 9.8 yards after catch last week. Like if you saw how they schemed him up, he's wide open. He gets massive yards after the catch opportunity. Um, he's just going to be a critical piece of this offense. So, you know, the two th- 2019 version, um, seems very likely to happen here. We all remember how he, he ended 2019. That's kind of what I'm expecting going forward right with, with him. Yeah. Um, do you know the Colts scheme? Like what they're like, um, do they play more two high show or three high show off the top I think of my it's head? Three high. Yeah, I think they're a little more three high. Yeah. Um, because that's the only that's the one thing, like, you know, last week it was that fangio type. You know, he's not there anymore, but you know, that kind of covered two, I think. Um, which tight ends tend to, to rip. So it might not be quite as big, but I love it. I haven't ranked top five just off the again, it's all about the routes. Like you run 93% of the routes, uh, 94%, and you're gonna be you're going to be in that top tier tight end. So uh, I'm interested to see how he, like how it, how, how it kind of plays out if, if the scheme's a little different, but yeah, I don't, I think you want to get in on Higby now. I think you want to, I think you want to get in on all these guys. Like you said, like Robert Woods, I would still buy low on just because Mm -hmm. he might not have another game that bad, but Van Jefferson could easily still be the number three receiver and still be viable because they don't really like to throw to running backs a ton. You know, this is not a team that 
Hey, there's certain teams that, you know, at one point throwing the running backs was in vogue, but teams have realized that like, if you have a good tight end or you, you can get the ball down the field, there's no point in throwing to the running back and getting like five, six, seven yards, you know? So, yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, real quick, you said you have them tight end five, which I do as well. Yeah. So that means we're bumping down Hawkinson. one or two of these elite top yeah. six tight who, who is I think it's Hawkinson that's six for me. And Andrews, cause Andrews ran over 90% of the routes. So it's like, yeah, like it, TJ Hawkinson tore up this week and I have Tyler Higby ranked above him. Kyle yeah. Pitts is the one that's all the way down to seven. And I think he's, yep. uh, his underlying sets are really good too. So I, we just have seven elite tight ends right now and Higby's one of them. Yeah. I mean, anybody like, I, you know, anyone who's running 90% of the routes, like Logan Thomas to me is in that category. He's like all these yes. guys, like it's, yep. um, but I, I might end up going Hawkinson back over, Higby, I don't know, just because I have to look more into that scheme thing. That's the only thing, you know, cover two scheme. You know, we saw how it can affect an offense with the Bears where, you know, they were able to run a lot. So uh, maybe it's one of those situations where, you know, that like Higby's going to play, obviously, but maybe it was one of those situations where the efficiency was due more to the scheme. So um, that's something I'm going to have to go back. Uh, Obviously, check our rankings, actionnetwork.com. We like to record this podcast early in the week to get this out for you guys. But uh, our projections and rankings are by no means finalized. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I mean, Johnny Munt was the only other tight end who got a snap on offense. Harris and Hopkins active but did not uh, see see snaps. So, uh, yeah, Higby is one half of my cheat code because the routes are just too much not to give him a mention. But Daryl Henderson, 17 of the 18 running back touches – Sony Michelle didn't get a uh, carried till there was about what five minutes left in the game, I think it was. He got like one carry. Yep. Jogged right Garbage time too. Garbage right. time. Like here, we don't want to get uh, Henderson injured. Why don't you go out there, Sony Michelle? Yeah, and Henderson just... came right back out there though. <laughs> it was <laughs> nuts. Yeah, exactly. It was nuts, man. Yeah. And uh, let's remember that the, the Rams, you know, the Bears actually did do a good job against the run. So the, the Rams didn't get much going with the run early in the game, but when they wanted to kind of salt the clock away and they kind of focused on the run, they were breaking off huge games. So I think this coach team profiles, I mean, aside from, you know, the scheme is going to be a little different, but uh, I think the game script could kind of profile the same way because Carson Wentz is no longer good. Let's first realize this. At least if he's going to be good this year, it might not be early in the year. He's still kind of getting acclimated. Um, The the foot didn't look that healthy. He just didn't look that mobile. I mean, he's never been super mobile, but didn't look good in week one. So – I think Henderson's another guy who, uh, if he's going to get used to, and remember the Rams are one of those teams that are kind of famous for gen- They don't play that many guys on offense. Like generally they go with their starters and if they have like, you know, they had the committee at one point with Ed- Everett and Higby, cause they were both good players, but generally they're going to play their guys. And, uh, and we saw that with Cam Akers down the stretch last year, you know, so mm-hmm. we've seen that, we've seen that with Gurley when he was healthy. So yeah, love Henderson as well. 17 of the 18 backfield touches. And now it's time for our prize picks elite entry segment where we compare our projections to the prize picks lines to build some entries. Sean, where are you going with your first prize picks elite entry for week two? So my first one's going to be in this Thursday night football game. I'm going with Terry McLaurin under five and a half receptions. I'm projecting this closer to 4.7. So I think there's a ton of value here. This is a game where, oh, well, first off, no Ryan Fitzpatrick. So we're going to have Tyler Heineke under center. Um, I think the 
football team's going to be pretty cautious as a result. I mean, it's a short week. They don't really have much time to prepare Heineke, so I think it's going to be a run-heavy game script. I don't think this Giants offense is going to force the football team into a pass-heavy game script. Either way, I like the under here. Um, he should be seeing a lot of James Bradbury. This is a tough matchup. There's just a lot to like on this under, so I'm going under here. Yeah, Terry may start the season a little slower than I know most of his owners would like, but still one of the better receivers in the week. He had a crazy catch in week one. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you got to see where his head was like, of the week. His body was like, yeah, like almost parallel to the ground. He just like did a whip around. I mean, it was amazing. He's going to look really good on his four catches in this game. Like there's yeah. no denying it, but he's only going to catch four balls. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, for my prize pick elite entry, my first one, I am going with that same game, staying in the game, Thursday night football, Giants, Washington, Saquon Barkley, under 52 and a half rushing yards. Okay. We obviously, Saquon's not 100%. He was splitting work in week one. He got only 10 carries. But more importantly, and this is why I was saying I worry about Saquon, even if he's healthy, because he got 26 yards in those 10 carries. The Giants struggled to run the ball no matter which halfback they had out there, just 33 yards on 14 carries. That's not even three yards a carry, people. But you look at Washington and what they did on defense, they held the Chargers to 91 yards on 25 carries for their running back. So Washington allowed just three. Uh, let me see. The Washington allowed well under four yards per carry to the Chargers and Austin Eckler is a pretty good running back. So I don't see Saquon on a short week clearing 52 and a half rushing yards. Uh, I would bet this down to about 48. Yeah, I like that as well. And this is something that we're projecting pretty close to this number. Uh, but this is one of those things where um, we go beyond the projections a bit. Uh, he has a super low floor, like he said, heading into Thursday night football with the short week. Very concerned about his workload. I, I don't know how this um, Giants offensive line is going to be able to block this, you know, stud defensive line of Washington. So it's going to be tough sledding for Barkley. I, I'm with you here on the under. Yeah, you got the offensive line going on the road on a short week. That's never easy. Uh, for those big guys. So I uh, like that one. Who is your second prize picks elite entry uh, pick for week number two? Uh, I'm going under 74 receiving yards for Debo Samuel. Uh, he looked really good last week, but of course that was against the Lions. Everyone's going to look good against the Lions. Um, we, we still need to see what's up with Brandon Ayuk. I think he should be able to play this week. I think his absence was mostly injury related. So hopefully he gets back in the fold here. Um, you know, 74 and a half is really, really high. Uh, even for a guy like Debo, that we're, I know they're going to scheme up touches, but this is a this is a much tougher matchup this week against the Eagles compared to the Lions. So I'm going under 74 receiving yards for Debo Samuel. Yeah, I mean, 74 and a half, that is a Justin Jefferson-esque line. Like that's a really high Seriously. number for Debo Samuel. So uh, I'm all over that under, and I'm going to take a similar one. A little bit of an overreaction to week one, I think. Corey Davis under 68 and a half receiving yards against the New England Patriots. Now, first of all, Zach Wilson averaged under five yards in attempt against Carolina. You think New England, after seeing Corey Davis being really the only Jets pass catcher to to, of note in week one isn't going to scheme to take him out of the game. I mean, New England's going to come with a plan. 
uh, on Corey Davis, 68 and a half. That's 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 hot, like around the, nu- the number you had for A.J. Brown against the Cardinals with no corners <laughs> in week one. Just to put the, this in some perspective, like 68 and a half is a high, high uh, number. So uh, I'm going to, you know, the Patriots only gave up eight catches to wide receivers. Eight catches to all Dolphins wide receivers in week number one. Uh, and they're going to be gunning for Davis. So uh, under 68 and a half receiving yards for Corey Davis. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Corey Davis looked really, really good week one. However, they were without Jamison Crowder and Keelan Cole. Both guys might return this week. So, you know, they're, they're going to command more of a target share than Braxton Berrios and Jeff Smith and Denzel Mims. So um, and Elijah Moore disappointed. So I think either way, Corey Davis will see a much lower target share this week. I love the under as well. Yeah, I have this around 55. So I love, you know, if you're listening to this podcast later in the week, uh, I'd still love this entry where you go under Debo Samuel and under Corey Davis, because I think you have a a pretty good bit of wiggle room with both of those guys after uh, those big week one performances. All right, that is going to do it for our prize pick elite entry for our matchup show. And to recap, we have Sean going with Terry McLaurin under five and a half receptions and Debo Samuel under 74 and a half receiving yards. And I am going Saquon Barkley under 52 and a half rushing yards and Corey Davis under 68 and a half receiving yards. All right, now back to the show. Let's go on to the Niners game. They're facing the Eagles. The Niners, three and a half point favorites. The total up to an even 50. Elijah Mitchell, man, this Niners backfield. Trey Sermon is probably uh, the surprise scratch of week one, him and Zach Moss. So Elijah Mitchell goes off because, of course, Raheem Mostert gets injured in the, on his, what, second carry? <laughs> so, you know, two carries oh, deep into the week one. Yeah. Uh, and now he's, yeah, so... The big, the big news is Elijah Mitchell went off, got 19 touches, went over the 100-yard mark. Where do you have his rushing yardage projected for this week in terms of the median? Oh, man. this is So this is really tough. Um, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this all week. Uh, but my initial projection for Elijah Mitchell is 62 and a half yards. So where, where the hell are you on this? <laughs> 63. Well, no. <laughs> actually, no, that's my mean projection. My median would yeah. be around... 59. So 5960. I mean, so, he has a wide range of outcomes this week, right? I mean, yeah. I, so I, I mean, I, I don't know where you have, where do you have him carry wise? I'm about 15 carries. That sounds all right. I think I have him um, 14 and a half, but it's okay. not a very confident projection because uh, I mean, yes, Trey Sermon was inactive week one, but Raheem Moser is out for the season. So I think, you know, Trey Sermon's going to be active this week. Who knows how much of this coach speak we can look into? You actually said it best, you know, like the, the week one inactive was all the coach speak we needed to yeah. know where this running back committee is, but they still spent a third round pick on Sermon. So I'm not a fan of just completely giving up on Trey Sermon. Uh, I, I still think it's a buy low situation. However, uh, I do think Elijah Mitchell is the play this week. I think he's pretty much a low end RB two. Um, we saw We saw him go off last week. So that's why I'm still projecting him pretty high, but he does have a low floor, right? I mean, this is why you don't like investing in the 49ers uh, running backs because 
every week it's kind of like this discussion of we don't really know what the hell to rank them. Um, so that's that's why it's a very unconfident 62 and a half yard projection by me right now. Yeah, and I think that's going to have more to do with how good is the Eagles team? Because I was I was all over the Eagles in in week one. I thought people were really underrating them against the Falcons. I thought the Eagles were just flat out the better team. Uh, and so when you look at the breakout of how the usage went for Mitchell and, and, and Jamichael Hasty, the other active running back, Mitchell got 86% of the carries. Hasty got 5%. But they both ran 36 around on 36% of the dropbacks, which tells me that if they're not blowing out the Lions like crazy, maybe Hasty gets in the game more. Now, like you're alluding to, the wild card is Sermon because he's inactive in week one. Now, does he kind of factor into where if he's active, he gets more carries than Hasty would have? Maybe. But at the same time, Kyle Shanahan also said, hey, you know, these both Mitchell and Hasty beat out Sermon flat out in the preseason. Yeah. So it's really hard to say. I think your your upside for Sermon is you're looking at maybe he gets like a third of the carries instead of, you know, being that number three running back because Hasty getting only 5% makes it, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's there more for, you know, what he could do in the pass game. They don't love him as a, as a runner. Um, that maybe, like, we don't know. Uh, but I think that's kind of what you're looking at. But um, I, I have, you know, I have Mitchell kind of projected for 60% of the carries. I think we, the, the, how it breaks out between the other two guys, that's up for debate. That's where we're kind of wait, wait and see. But I, I think Mitchell unless they get down to Philly, Philly's, you know, jumps on them at home. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Mitchell should get his, you know, 13 to 16 carries at least with upside for more. But um, if, if they, if they get into a pass grip, that's when you're a little worried for Mitchell. Uh, but yeah, he's my cheat code. I mean, that's, that's still the guy I think to jump on him now while he's cheap. And uh, cause he played well, you know, that's how Moster got the job played, just played well. So um, I, I don't think there's anything not to like about Mitchell right now. Let's go to let's go to Broncos Jags Broncos six point favorites the total forty five and uh, you have an interesting prop for this one give it to me yeah so who will score more PPR points this week KJ Hamler or Tim Patrick I don't even need to look at my numbers to say Tim Patrick I mean it's still kind of one of those you know it's you don't know exactly. Um, how, how it's going to shake out. But I just, I, I said this on the, on the pod. I think Tim Patrick's just a, a good receiver. I think Hamler is too, but Patrick was getting more of those like snaps when Judy wasn't out. Right. So yep. I think that's, and, and he was, he, he had 300 yard games last year, had another multi touchdown uh, game. So, you know, it's just one of those situations where he's going to be a full-time, like every down player. Hamler, I think still ends up being that slot receiver. Um, and then I think, you know, Cortman Sutton, his usage will be ramped up a little bit. He had, not, uh, I think only ran 80% uh, of the route. So um, yeah, it's, it's Tim Patrick for me. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I think Patrick is certainly the higher floor play. Um, but I think, you know, for GPPs, a guy like KJ Hamler, he has a ton of upside, but I think that, yeah, Tim Patrick, you already mentioned it. Tim Patrick was already um, playing quite a bit before Jerry Judy even went down. And it looked like Teddy Bridgewater really trusted Tim Patrick. He scored the touchdown. So I think that the Judy injury just opens up Tim Patrick for, you know, an 85 percentage plus routes run roll this week. So I think he's a super safe play. 
Um, but KJ Hamler, certainly for GPPs, offers that upside. Yeah, I like Hamler is long-term prospects. I think he's a pretty good receiver. Um, I, at least, you know, has, has, has the talent to be, uh, did, did not like him dropping that long touchdown. He, oh, he might yeah. just be one of those frustrating guys that like he always looks better on paper than it, than he will in the actual games. So, um, whereas Patrick has just proven it. So yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to go with Patrick until Hamler, you know, kind of shows us anything different for DFS. Who is your cheat code? I'm going with Noah Fant. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be targeting, you know, Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, which I think is a great play, uh, and KJ Hamler with Jerry Judy going down. But, you know, Noah Fant could see a pretty big boost as well. Um, Denver may opt to run more two tight end sets. You know, Noah Fant and Albert O look really good in week one, so I wouldn't be surprised if they just bumped up their usage. Um, and he ran, Fant ran 60%. Um, routes run last week and they kind of hinted that they're going to limit him due to his knee injury. So I'm projecting him up closer to 70, 75% this week. Um, and the Jaguars made Pharaoh Brown look like Darren Waller last week. So give me no offense against the Jags. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like, uh, I do like that call. Cause the Jags, the Jags just, I mean, this team just didn't look good. Like this team is just so no, they did not. like very unprepared and just like got schooled by a veteran coaching staff. Um, even though Coley, you know, he's new coach, but uh, I think the oldest head, one of the oldest head coaches in the league, oldest first time head coach. Uh, so yeah, they have Lovey Smith on that staff. So yeah, I think there's another good staff in in Denver. You have Shermer on offense, Teddy Bridgewater look good. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, like fan, I I think these Bronco receivers, I, I like I like all of them. I mean, I even like Teddy. So uh, for the cheat code, I want to go Cortland Sutton because Brandon Cooks went off for five for one thirty two last week against Jacksonville as well. So it wasn't just Howard Brown, but I'm going to go Tim Patrick here because I think, I think Sutton's going to be the more obvious play, but again, I'm not convinced that Tim Patrick is that far below Sutton right now. Like Tim Patrick's just a really good receiver and Sutton played 80% of the routes and that was with the Judy injury. So you just wonder where Sutton is in his recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but Patrick looked good. Look good out there. So I'm, I'm going to go with the guy that looked the best um, because I think you can make a case for Fant, Sutton, Hamler, uh, and Patrick, but Patrick's been that consistent guy, He's and he's looked the best uh, for pretty much the last year and change because since Sutton went down the first time uh, in terms of the Broncos receivers. Remember, Judy had a tough year last year. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you know what all this means, though, right? It's, it's definitely going to be in Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams games. Yeah, I mean, it's, I would you would think it would – I mean, that's always going to be Denver's M.O. And, I mean, how yeah. fast did Melvin Gordon look on that? Like, he ran away from the Giants' defense uh, late in that Giants game. So Yeah, I, would he would he be a cheat code here? Like, he's an interesting pivot because everybody's going to be loading up on the receivers given the opportunity with Judy being out. But, like, yeah, don't sleep on Melvin Gordon, especially against the Jaguars. How could they everyone not? against the Jaguars because they stink. There you go. Broncos D. Broncos D. Bam. That's the cheat code. Broncos D and Melvin Gordon stack. Yeah. Real quick before we move on, where the hell are you ranking James Robinson? He's my RB24, and I don't feel good about it. He's my RB36. Okay, thank you. I I felt like RB24 is a (laughs) bit too high, especially against Denver. Um, I'm guessing he'll end up closer to RB30. So Yeah, I might meet you in the middle there. Again, it's initial projections. So I have Hyde kind of with that same carry share that he had last week, which was almost like two to one. Yeah, for those of you that have James Robinson, not good. Um, he's 
probably a sit start decision this week. And I'm Yo, leaning towards sit. I am so mad at like myself for like and the, the thing is I love James Robinson, but I'm I I like all summer I was just like Yo, Urban Meyer is going to be a disaster. Urban Meyer is going to be a disaster. And like, it's already looking like he's going to be a disaster, I, but it's like affecting took, fantasy players, which is, which sucks. Not good. Yeah. I, I think the passing game might still be salvageable uh, that, you know, they threw what 53 times, uh, but my uh, James Robinson under what was that? A thousand rushing yards on price picks is looking pretty good right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping, you know, we can't project him for like the same amount of carries he had last season, but I'm just hoping that eventually Urban Meyer, like just like he came to his senses, you know, like you pointed out, like he eventually tried to right his wrongs. He <laughs> fired the coach, the, the the coach that was like, you know, getting everybody upset that, that he hired him. He, he cut T- Tebow. So I'm hoping that like he comes out in week two and it's just like Robinson, 25 carries. So love him in GPPs. Definitely love him in GPPs. Like yeah, this, yeah. This, I think he's a buy low actually because he's still the. It, you're talking about Carlos Hyde. Like it's still James Robinson's a better running back than Carlos Hyde. You're probably like you're not going to get another still five carry game from James Robinson. And he, even if you do it, it's probably not going to be in like a situation where it's like week one. That's the only sample we have. Like Robinson, I could see him going like 15 to 18 carries this week, then maybe seven the next week. But like right now, I think might be still the lowest you can get him. Yeah, but I would still buy. Uh, now I'm not I'm not defending Carl's Hyde anyway here, but who was James Robinson's backup last season? Wrong answers only. <laughs> uh, Chris Thompson. Briefly for like five <laughs> games before he got yeah, hurt. Until he, until was he it like broke Nathan his Cottrell body. and Divine Ozigbo, Ozigbo like and Dare Agunbowale. They had nobody. So Carlos Hyde is a significant upgrade, which is saying no, something. I, I completely agree. And Carlos Hyde always does this. Remember that time we thought Duke Johnson might actually get the full workload or like <laughs> yeah. a, a RB1 workload? Yeah. And it was not Carlos Hyde, 15 to 20 carries every game. Exactly. He's like the new Frank Gore. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. That's actually – and he might be – like they were on – remember they came up? Like Hyde was the backup to Gore? That's yeah, really no, I'm st- he's the new, fr- he's Frank Gore reincarnated. Yeah. Uh, let's, I mean, the, the good thing is Robinson still played like two thirds of the snaps, you know? So it's, it was just the carries were, were yeah. thwarted because um, they, the Jags came out with just this super pass heavy game script, which did their rookie quarterback, no favors. He throws he threw three picks. They got down big early. So I don't, I, I have a feeling that Urban Meyer is going to kind of go with a 180 and, and James Robinson is going to be fine. So I, I'm actually going to, yeah, I'm going to, I might leave, I might come meet you closer to that RB24. Uh, okay. Now, the more I think, the more that I talk this through because right. I, I've, I've had kind of a good read on Meyer. So I think, I think he's going to, I think he's going to try to go full into course correction in this one. Let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, um, let's go to Patriots, Jets, and uh, Matt Jones. 257 and a half passing yards is the line on prize picks. The line is three and uh, 43 and a half with the Patriots favored by five and a half, but Matt Jones, 257 and a half pass yards. Is that a little high uh, for you or is that in line with what you're projecting? Yeah, I think this is a little bit too high. I'm projecting this closer to 238. Um, and that's nothing to do with like Mac Jones, not looking good last week. I thought he looked really good last week. Um, it was a tough, tough matchup. Again, that's why I took the Dolphins plus three and a half. Um, but I thought he looked good. And this week, they can lean on the run game. They can lean on their defense. They're playing the Jets. So I don't think they're going to be airing it out. That's the only reason why my project my projection for him is a bit low. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has a very efficient game. Um, so, you know, I probably would stay away from this. But um, leaning on the under here. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm pretty far under this one. I have him in that 220 range. Um, I, you know, it's more so, like you said, the Jets just don't really present, uh, I think, a great opportunity to need to throw. So you have to be efficient, and he could absolutely be efficient, but it's just not something that you can bank on. Um, but I do like Matt Jones as a stash this week. Like, uh, if you if like, you know, usually I'm stashing all running backs, but like, I just think Matt Jones, he he does have this like four touchdown potential against the Jets. And if he has a great game against the Jets, like he had 39 attempts in week one, like everyone's going to be, everyone's going to want him because he might just be like one of those, one of those, you know, really efficient pocket passers that you can stream more weeks than not or, or start more weeks than not. So like, I'm, I'm still kind of, uh, I like him. I, I like where I like what I saw out of him. Um, but uh, where are you going with your cheat code? My cheat code is the Pats defense and Damian Harris stack. Uh, going, going, wait, 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 wait. Got to ask about. So you're, are you not concerned at all about the fumble with Harris? Because I've seen a lot of talk about, oh, are they going to lower his workload? Stevenson also fumbled. Or are they going to activate Taylor? Like, uh, are you concerned at all about Harris's? I'm guessing not, obviously. Not yet. And it's Bill Belichick. So, you know, check in with me later in the week. <laughs> uh, but like you said, Stevenson lost the fumble as well. And Stevenson was coming back from a finger injury. So I thought that that, you know, it was kind of weird that they were playing him so much. But um, that might be his excuse there. But I think Harris looked good enough. Uh, if he fumbles it again this week, then I'd be concerned about like an in-game benching. Either way, I think it's going to be a run-heavy game plan we saw last week. The similar approach where Harris rushed 23 times for 100 yards. No touchdowns, though. That's where I think he, you know, improves this week. I think he scores a touchdown. Again, he doesn't have massive upside, but when it comes to, you know, GPPs, you know, doing a nice little stack with the defense and running back like Harris makes a ton of sense. Um, I think he does have uh, two touchdown potential again this week. So I'm, I'm sticking with Harris despite the fumble. Yeah, it's I love the Pats D. I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, they they're in a great spot. I mean, Zach Wilson struggled against the Panthers. D like he, he, he had, you know, decent volume numbers at the end, put some things together. But I mean, the, you look at the Jets just as a team, their efficiency on offense was was miserable and against a pass and a run. So I, I agree. There's going to be a run heavy game script. Um I'm, I am a little, I'm just, I don't know what's going to happen this week. I mean, I think it's going to be Harris just right back in, but. Uh, I will I'm say, gonna keep watching the beat reports. Just yeah, yeah. I'm, talk. I'm with you there. Keep me posted as well. I'm yeah. I'm less concerned about that as I am with uh, Trent Brown's day to day right now. So if if he can play, we haven't heard anything negative about Harris. Then I'm firing him up again. This is more of a GPP kind of stack, so I'm not playing him in cash anyways. Um, but if Trent Brown is active, I think that'll that'll boost his projection a little bit uh, in my eyes. Uh, for my Cheat code. Um, I I actually think that for D, like this is a team you're gonna you want to attack in tournaments because there is some uncertainty about the run game, but they could have a you know they could run it 40 times, but they could also be super efficient through the air. The Jets allowed uh, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore to get uh, 137 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets, so that's well over 10 yards per target. Now, so I, I like Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar. It's tough to really differentiate between them, but they both ran a route on 95% of the dropbacks last week. And mm -hmm. um, the Patriots didn't go as much too tight end, you know, as we thought in their past game, Hunter Henry and John Smith were both around 50% in terms of the routes. So uh, per dropback. So I 
kind of sneakily still think, uh, you know, these Patriots receivers could have some success uh, against these Jets corners. Now, yeah, so uh, for Mike Chico, I'm going to go Aguilar because I think when you looked at the Jets last week, they gave up uh, over 10 yards of target to Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Of course, Anderson had the long touchdown. Um, Moore had 80 yards and six catches, but they, they played well in the slot. So I think Aguilar is the one guy that's not going to play in a slot quite as much, but him and Myers, both uh, Jacoby Myers, both ran 95% of the route. So this could be a Myers game too, but uh, I think it's actually Aguilar. Aguilar is uh, in the best spot um, as kind of a sneaky play here. So uh, I like Myers too, but um, just how well they played against Marshall worries me a bit, but you're talking about 95% routes run against one of the worst secondaries in the league. So I uh, love both love Aguilar in tournaments like Myers and uh, Bourne was kind of playing half to, half as much. So um, I think it's, it's definitely between those two guys, but uh, I, I do have some interest in these Pats receivers this week. Yeah. What, so what is up with these uh, tight ends? Because um, you know, they didn't run as many two tight end sets as I thought, like, like you said, uh, Johnny Smith had 50% routes run and Hunter Henry was like 60%. So they, they overpaid like to get half of Johnny Smith and half of Hunter Henry. Like what's going on here? I mean, you know how the, the Patriots are always zigging when everyone's zagging. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, it just seemed more like they kind of split it between having a third wide receiver on the field and having a second tight end on the field. And they weren't like a, you know, they weren't like blowing the dolphins out at any point. So they had 39 pass attempts. So usually when you have 40, you know, you're approaching 40 attempts, the tight ends aren't necessarily going to be in there. Like tight ends are more like those first, second down, you know, non hurry up situations. So maybe that was it. I could see them going up a little, but that could, that could just as well impact Bourne. Like you could still have yeah. Myers and Aguilar be those two receivers. Cause the way it, they really didn't come out of the game. Um, and we kind of saw that with Demiri Bird last year, where Demiri Bird was like sneakily on the field like 95% of the time for New England. So, um, yeah, I, I think these guys are again in tournaments. I think you consider them in cash. You can't do it. No way. Um, and in in season long, I think you still you kind of wait and see. Um, unless you're like in a super deep league and need a desperation guy, but in tournaments, I think it's perfect because I think Mac Jones could have a, a efficient day, and uh, you know you want you want some exposure to those wide receivers in that situation. Let's go to Vikings Cardinals Cardinals after that blowout of Tennessee favored by four and a half points at home against the Vikings. The total is 51. Uh, what do you got for Kyler Murray rushing yards? Yeah. So this, this is what I wanted to pose to you because um, he rushed for 20 yards last week. Um, and I know you're really good with quarterback running projections. You talk about scrambling, right? Things like that. So I just curious if you saw anything on your end, but, um, right now I'm projecting him for 40 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I'm right around 35. So knocked him down a little bit, um, you know, compared to, I think I would have had him closer to 40, a little over 40 season baseline coming in, but he hasn't been scrambling quite as much, uh, since the second half of last season, I think there was an injury, but the fact that it's, you know, he hasn't had to to run that much, you know, he had, he didn't run this much early this year either. You're kind of going on, like it's trending down in terms of his rushing production, just a little bit, but I still have him as my QB too. Uh, I think this is a, still a great week for him, you know, at home against uh, a, 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 a team with a total of uh, 51. So over 50 
Um, so I, I like Kyler, but he's got the receivers now. You know, he's got – I think the receiving core is a little better. I mean, I still don't agree with giving A.J. Green 90% of the routes and Christian Kirk 60. But – and more, what did he get, like 40, 35, Yeah, 40? not enough. I think that has to change and kind of even out at the work, at the best. Like, A.J. Green probably should be the number four guy at this point in his career. Nothing against him. But you should probably be the number four guy. Uh, Nothing against him, but everything against him at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because I like AJ Green like as a player. It's just like when these guys get old, they get old so fast. Like, so it's like you know, it's like Jordy Nelson. Like I used to love Jordy Nelson, and then it was just one year he he couldn't walk anymore, and I was like, you know what I mean? Like he's just kind of low this guy's projection. Like he can't run. Um, so it's, that's where I'm at with AJ. Uh, I think you're going to see more in Kirk trend up, especially after you know Kirk had a big game. And uh, he's played on the outside before. And, and then Moore, um, who is – he's your DFS cheat code, right? Absolutely. Should I get into it? Yeah, let's go right into it. All right, well, consider this a Rondale Moore jersey. This whole outfit is <laughs> my love for Rondale Moore right now. Um, you know, he caught four passes for six, eight yards, no touchdowns. So I think he'll still be under the radar a bit. But like you mentioned, he only ran around 40% of the time. So his playing time – Still has a long way to go. And, you know, I think it's going to come at A.J. Green's expense, potentially Chris Kirk, Christian Kirk. Either way, they're going to have to give him more playing time. Um, and he had a 36% target share. And when I say target share, it's when he's on the field. I don't per like – Per route run. Per route. Yeah, per route run. I don't like yeah, target share. Everyone out there when listening, like, I know a lot of people still, you know, talk about target share. Maybe that's a little easier for people to understand. But, like, especially for us, is like when we're projecting, we have to do it based on routes. That's why we talk about routes because it's like – you know, a guy could have a 36, a 20% target share and run all of the routes, or he could have run like half of the routes. That makes a huge difference in projecting yep. him going forward. So I just wanted to point that out in case people are like, why the hell do y'all keep talking about routes? Like, what the fuck are all these routes? It's, Who cares? It's so <laughs> key to making accurate projections. And when people talk about target share more broadly, it's just not as relevant. So yeah, when Ronnell Moore was on the field, that's all we care about. He had a target 36% of the time, which is absolutely insane. I mean, it makes sense because he's the type of player you want to scheme targets to. He's going to be one of the best receivers after the catch and sometime in my opinion. Um, and he, you know, his expected yards after the catch by next gen stats, another stat, like just go check it out. They do some amazing work over there um, was 10.9, um, which is the third highest. And he had a, which means that they're scheming up plays to get huge yards after the catch and he's already really good after the catch so that's why he had a 16.1 yards after the catch rate last week so I think he's going to lead the league in yards after the catch and you know he's the kind of guy where they're going to scheme up targets so we could start seeing six to eight catches a game potentially you know 100 yard games I think his only limitation might be scoring touchdowns but he's so good with the ball in his hands I mean he can score from anywhere so he's a guy I'm trying to invest in before he's going to break out significantly. So he's my cheat code here. I think it's it's imminent for them to <laughs> not have AJ Gray on the field 90% of the time and give some of those, some of those, please, to Rondale Moore. Hopefully we get a prop for him. Uh, I, I could see that being your convince me prop next week. Like I Rondale Moore over 17.5 or whatever. It is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do uh, Rondale Moore over, but they wanted me to do an afternoon game for the contest. So I pivoted to Waddle. Can't complain, but I was going to have Rondale Moore over. I think it was like 39 and a half or something silly like that. Such an easy, easy bet. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right with you for more. I mean, 
like when you just look at the straight up routes, you know, green ran over 90% of the routes. He's super cheap. But again, I just think he's going to trend downwards, you know, in week one, I think, you know, they were like, all right, we're going to put him out there. You know, the GM kind, you know, said he's like, oh, he got a lot of targets that weren't great last year. So, you know, I think Kingsbury is just going to realize that, hey, my three best receivers are Hopkins, Kirk and Moore. And I don't think there's much question about that um, to anyone that's watching these these games. So uh, I think Green's going to trend down. So, yeah, I got to go with Moore, too. He's, he's way too cheap and you, you got to buy low now because um, that target share is huge. And uh, just real quick, picking up on our debate last week on the Vikings wide receiver three, it is absolutely KJ Osborne. Any any thoughts there? Is he an <laughs> ad? I mean, I know he got, he did what he got, eight catch, seven, eight catches. Yeah, seven right? catches for like 76. Yeah. But yeah, he had a huge usage rate and uh, he was on the field quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's up to my wide receiver 62. So uh, <laughs> um, deeper, deeper PPR formats only. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of said it. Somebody's going to have to step up in his offense. I, I just don't know. And, and I could be wrong because, you know, it certainly played out that way in week one. But I just I just don't know if the Vikings are going to have to throw as much over the course of the year. I do expect the defense to eventually be better. Uh, and so it's tough because I think, you know, sometimes I think that seven for 76 goes to like Conklin, for example, instead of him. But anytime a guy catches seven balls, yeah, he should be on the radar. So, um you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't tend to hold a lot of wide receivers on my bench. I'm more of a, yeah. like, let me stash running backs. And then if I, you know, I'll even start playing tactically where like, if I, if there's like a really good defensive streamer a week ahead of time, I might, you know, grab that. Or like, I use my bench for things like that. I think right wide receivers are the easiest to kind of flip in and out. But uh, yeah, Definitely. if you're in a deeper week, the guy caught seven balls, you know, even in DFS, it's like, this is a total over 51, uh, over 50. And uh you know, the guy caught seven balls. People are going to own a lot of, of Jefferson, a lot of Thielen after the big game. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's very interesting play. Bucks, Falcons, Kyle Pitts, eight targets, not many yards last week. What do you have his receiving yard line prop at? Uh, I have it at 46 and a half. I, I have the mean at 48, the median at about 44. So uh, I'll still go under. Uh, again, yeah, he's, he's down to, you know, he's – He's behind a couple of tight ends that he wasn't behind last week in my projections. But let's just go right into the like, well, first of all, what, do, what were your thoughts on Pitts? Because he did get the eight targets. But I mean, how bad did the Falcons offense look? That's my only concern is, um, you know, his underlying usage screams by low. Uh, but you also have to be confident that this offense is going to work. I think eventually, I feel like this happens quite often with the Falcons. Their offensive line looks horrible, and eventually they figure it out. Uh, plus, they have your boy Arthur Smith. So right. That's why I'm worried, because it's like, well, yeah, this, is, you, this might be, is this a, should they have just, like, blown it up? Because, yes. like, Arthur, like, the Titans look sh- like shit without Arthur Smith. <laughs> the Falcons look like shit with Arthur Smith. They, they, they're, they're trading all types of players. Julio Jones going there and and Javian Hawkins going there. And it's like, it's like, you know, like Tajay Sharp. It's like they get, they have all each other's old players, Lee Smith. And, but it's like, nothing's working for either than I'm offense. Like, they should on? have blown it up. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, it's sad to see because, you know, they, they have Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, two great up and coming players. Um, I think they'll, they'll figure it out for the rest of the season, but as an organization, I think, they made the wrong move. They are not a Super Bowl team by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so they should have been playing for 2023, 
Yeah, uh, I, I do think that people are sleeping on the Eagles. So um, I think mm-hmm. the Eagles are a little better than than we thought. So I got, you know, the Falcons, obviously lots of problems there. Don't know if this offense that worked for Tannehill and Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown is going to work here necessarily. It was concerning to see Ridley not go off in this game, um, you know, just given that they were behind for most of it. Not, you know, I know Darius Slay is a good corner, but uh, Kyle Pitts, they're wide receiver three. I mean, really they're wide receiver two. You know, it was Ridley 97%, uh, Gage 79%, Pitts 79% of the routes per drop back, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus who's technically the wide receiver three, just 21%. Um, and Gage did nothing. He literally did nothing. Um, if anything, Pitts makes him irrelevant. I think, yeah, Pitts is the wide receiver too. And Hayden Hurst is a starting tight end. He played 67% yep. <laughs> of the that. routes run. So I was saying he's a sneaky play um, where he, he's the tight end for this team and Pitts is the receiver. And if Pitts were to go down, I think Hurts – um could be a low-end tight end one either way this is you know two tight end offense russell gage is irrelevant and calvin ridley um yeah that was very worrisome but i'm i'm still banking on calvin ridley's uh talent to prevail here yeah i i worry about russell gage not because i think he's great but just because he always seems to like factor in when you least expect it and get like eight catches so <laughs> i do i don't think we heard the last of russell gage to be probably honest. not uh, but it's, you know, it's week two and I have Russell Gage one spot ahead of KJ Osborne. So, you know, so here we go. Uh, for, for your DFS cheat code, who do you like? I'm going Mike Evans. You know, he was the odd man out in week one, three catches for 24 yards. I think it was. And surprisingly, no touchdowns. Usually we could bank on at least one touchdown for Mike Evans, sometimes two. Um, and th- I feel like last season, whenever Mike Evans had a bad game, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady like apologize publicly. They promised a squeaky wheel game. I haven't seen anything like that yet, but I just assume it's coming. So this is a week to buy in on Mike Evans when everyone's going to be flocking to take Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, even Rob Gronkowski. They all just went off on opening night. So I think this is the time to kind of buy low on Mike Evans. And I would not be surprised to see him score his patented, uh, you know, two catches for 40 yards and three touchdowns or the, <laughs> three right. touchdowns on two catches. Yeah. That's a Mike no, Evans. It's, it's, it's right actually there. three catches, three, three catch. yards, three touchdowns. Exactly. That's the Mike <laughs> Evans line I was looking for. <laughs> I, uh, no, I like Evans just cause the pricing, uh, you know, kind of dictates that, but for my cheat code, I'm just going to, I'm just going to straight up admit that the ball can go anywhere uh, because this Falcons D I think is really bad. So I'm going with Tom Brady. Uh, you don't usually play a pocket passer who's near the top of the pricing tiers, but I just love the Bucks this week. I, I, the Falcons defense giving up, you know, 27 of 35 to, to Jalen Hurts, 264 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and then seven for 62 on the ground. I mean, they're not stopping anyone. Uh, and, and that was against the Eagles, who everyone was like, can Jalen Hurts complete 50% of his passes? Like, can he pass the ball? Well, now you've got Tom Brady come. You know, you're going to Tom Brady's house, actually. So, it's, you know what I mean? Like, this is this is just a smash spot for the Bucks offense. Um, I mean, I think the bigger question is, does Ronald Jones get back in the rotation? Uh, any thoughts on that? Like, is, is he... I'm he I'm out done? on Ronald Jones. That that was actually going to lead into my, my other question is, Let's say they blow out the Falcons. Are we worried about them 
being run heavy with a guy like Ronald Jones, or do you think they're going to still air it out? Because I'm still convinced that they could emulate that uh, 2013 Broncos team where I said, you know, I was getting deja vu with with Tom Brady uh, last season when Peyton Manning left the Colts after playing there for 20 years as well. Uh, he had a, he had a good first season and second season was record breaking. And then Thursday night football this week, uh, Brady had like 300 yards and three touchdowns at halftime. So I was getting some serious deja vu uh, with my Peyton Manning uh, deja vu. Like, I think this week, if they're up by 30, they're still airing it out. Yeah. And I mean, to get up by 39, what do you think they're going to do? Run the ball for five touchdowns? <laughs> Unlikely. No. I mean, possible, but unlikely. But yeah, DFS cheat code Tampa Bay Bucks. All of them. Like just, but I'm, I'm with you. Just play Tom Brady. Gronk. Gronk. We, we haven't even talked about Gronk. Gronk is back. Gronk is like mine's tight end. I think I have Gronk ahead of Kyle Pitts this week. Like <laughs> Gronk. Like, oh my God. No, you don't. Yeah, I think I do. Let's see. Where's Gronk? Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, Gronk is my, he's ahead of him in, in standard. So yeah, I'm really yeah. close too. I could see how you can get there. He, he ran 74% routes. He's Gronk back. He's like, if we're talking about Antonio Brown's routes are going to go up. Cause now it's like, you know, he's, he's back in the swing of things. He had a whole off season. Well, Gronk was coming off retirement. Now he's playing more. Like we thought he was going to play West. I was, I thought he was going to play West, but it doesn't look like they're doing that at all. It looks like he's just going back to like normal Gronk. Either, either way you win this uh, round. Uh, Tom Brady's the cheat code, figure out two guys to <laughs> right. stack with them and just go with maybe it. three. Maybe even three Maybe. could be one of those games. Or the running back. What go for net Brady and like two receivers. Just just yeah, get your exactly. bucks in there. Get your but bucks ha- in there. yeah, have Brady head that uh two to three man stack for sure. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's go quick here. Uh Titan Seahawks, Seahawks five and a half point favorites. Uh the total well over 50 here as well. Uh Derek Henry, what do you have? His rushing yard dig uh line here after he struggled in week one. Yeah, this is tricky. I, I want to see where you have, Matt. Um, but I have it 90 and a half, which seems low for Derrick Henry, but I don't know. It might be too high after that first, uh, the, that week one performance we saw. Yeah, I think it's have a tough defense. So, uh, but I still have him around 95. So I'm not, I just, it's hard for me to overreact to like one game. Um, but maybe I do lower him because we do have a new offensive coordinator. I have to go back and look at Logan's other, I think he had one other year as an OC and see, exactly what he did but right now i still have henry you know getting his like 21 carries so um yeah i, I didn't i didn't knock him down as much uh, it was a little more concerning that he he him and jeremy mcnichols essentially ran the same amount of routes so that's never good but it, there was you're usually not banking on derrick henry to do anything in the past yeah, but you want him you want him to get like yeah. you know the 45 percent 50 percent of routes just so like he can get maybe two catches you know like you right. don't want to project him for like one that's uh that knocks him down in PPR. And uh, he, he had 17 carries in a blowout. So I think that's that's certainly yeah, good news. I'm, tw- I'm at 21-5. So I'm yeah. I'm I, I'm giving him I I do respect Seattle's defense, but this I mean it's still Seattle's defense. <laughs> I guess it's like I'm not I'm not gonna Derek Henry. Yeah, right. I'm just gonna I'll give him I'll give him a couple of weeks of, of leeway here. Absolutely. Um, for cheat code. Uh, I like Chris Carson. You like Chris Carson. Uh, talk about him real quick. It's just a, he's a sneaky play here because um, obviously AJ Brown, Julio Jones, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You know we want to invest in Derrick Henry as a bounce back candidate. So I think Chris Carson's sneaky here. Um, he was a true workhorse back week one. Um, very encouraged to see that. Uh, and Rashad Penny's already banged up, so you know we're going to see more of that going forward. Um, 
I, th- I think he's going to be overlooked in this matchup, and it would not surprise me if he scores a couple of touchdowns here. So love Chris Carson. Yep, uh, love him as well. That's the guy I would I would look to. Um, but uh, I think I mean this whole offense. This is another offense. Like mm-hmm. love love the Seahawks pass game as well. But Carson, you know he could he's easily like a two three touchdown candidate. And Penny Penny got hurt, so uh, you know could, could continue getting a, a big share of that workload. Let's go to Chargers Cowboys. This is another game with a huge total. Be with fifty five and a half right now. Chargers three point favorites at home. Home. Uh, (laughs) but Austin Eckler concerning man you pointed it out that uh, he didn't get targeted on his 25 routes so where do you have his receiving yards for week two yeah that was one of the craziest stats from week one in my opinion um so he's difficult to project he got a goal line touchdown (laughs) yeah he He had two goal line attempts and zero catches uh it's bizarre world with Austin Eckler so I'm just curious how you're approaching it but I'm projecting him for 36 and a half receiving yards. Ooh, I'm under that. Uh, I, I have him around 26. So I'm, I, I've already knocked down his, cause he ran around only 51% of dropbacks. Now I know he was banged up. So maybe I raised that a bit, but I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to end up at 36 either way. Like I think Matt, I think I probably end up if I, if I bump him up a little from last week at like 30, 31 max. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm projecting him. At 55, I think it's going to climb a bit. Oh, so you still have his routes per his targets per route a little. His, his a little targets yeah. per route. I'm not trying to ding too much after week one. I'm a bit worried that, you know, Mike Williams looks like he's going to be a target monster this year. I was kind of thinking that'd be the case. Yeah, you were on Mike Williams all, all offseason. What? You were on him all offseason. No, I know. And it, yeah. it came true so far. So I think that maybe that's taking away a little bit from Eckler, but that, I mean, there's no like way to explain zero targets. So um, I'm just fading that it could have been, it could have been due to the injury. Um, I'm just keeping him similar to what I expected going into the season. That's why I'm still projecting him right around four catches this week. And yeah. oh, how about uh, my boy, Larry Roundtree being the the legit backup in this offense? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he was, I mean, that's probably for the best. Um yeah. You know, but that's why I'm a little worried about Eckwards receiving just because it's a new coaching staff and, and this new coaching staff is not a running backs coach. Like Anthony Lynn was a running backs coach. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, this, it could just, cause there's certain coaches that they don't like to throw to their backs as much. So I, this is definitely something to monitor. I, I knocked them down to three and a half catches. Um, Got it. So uh, Mike Williams though, he's uh, a, <laughs> I mean, I have him. I have him very high. <laughs> Whoops. And of course he was on my bench in all my leagues. I kind of said that like draft him, be on your bench and then you're going to want to play him eventually. So I, um, but yeah, I had Mike Williams on pretty much all my benches this week. Uh, none of my starting lineups, but that will change going forward. Yeah. Uh, I have him as a high end wide receiver three this week. I think he's, I mean, I, sheesh. There's a lot. There's, I mean, this game could be just monstrous from a fantasy perspective. Yes. Because yes. you have what? The total is 50 something. I'm pretty much in line it's, with that. Uh, it's going to be a, sh- a glorious shootout so far. Uh, I wish we could go. Um, I mean, we could. We just have to kind of do <laughs> work in a else. very compromised yeah. position. Over under <laughs> 75% of the fans wearing Cowboy jersey. Are you taking the over under? Oh, ah, it's. That's a good line. I'd probably go over after going to that preseason game. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid you're right. Um, cheat code. Who do you like? I'm going Zeke Elliott. 
And it was kind of interesting to see Twitter blowing up, like how bad Zeke was the first game. Weren't we talking about that? Like they were facing the Bucks. They were nine point underdogs, although it turned out to be a really close game. They were missing Zach Martin. This was not a week to rely on Zeke uh, to go off. Um, so this week they get Zach Martin back. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be a shootout. Um, I don't think a lot of people are going to be rostering Zeke. So I think he's in a bounce back spot. I'm buying low. Um, give me all the Zeke this week. Yeah. Uh, I love Zeke. There's a lot of guys I could, I mean, I could, I could pick like five, six guys here. I love Zeke. Uh, I'm going with CD lamb uh, because he's right in that same price range. And he had a 37% target share last week. Of course, Gallup is out. Um, so, you know, Cooper, you know, he's a little higher priced. I think he's a great play. I think Dak is a great play. Zeke. There's just so many. Cedric here. Wilson, Cedric Wilson, right. the sneaky flyer in GPP, although he'll probably be rostered quite a bit, but I just think yeah. I'm with you. I think the passing game, everyone's going to be investing in it. I will too, but I think Zeke is a nice pivot, a good leverage play for this game. Oh yeah. I love, I love Zeke. Um, but I, I love Lamb as well. I mean, I, I think Zeke is like, he's the he he could go he could go in a stack with Dak this week like that's how much I like yeah. this is the game to stack uh, especially with that Cowboys offense um I could see like Dak Zeke Cooper Lamb like that that stack right there um you, you could get it in you know it's it's you go with some some, some low scoring um excuse me some low salary guys at other positions you could definitely make it work uh let's go to Chiefs Ravens the Sunday night game uh, Mark Andrews, he was on the field on, on over 90% of the uh, dropbacks running around. That was, that's what I thought was surprising in week one. Where do you have his receiving yards prop? That's why that? week two is so much fun because we actually have data to go off of. This is another surprising week one stat line because, like you said, he was on the field pretty much every passing play and he didn't produce. That's, that's not normal for Mark Andrews. So I'm curious where you have him. I'm not docking him too much. I think he's going to bounce back. So I have him at 51 and a half receiving yards. Let's see. Uh, I have Mark Andrews. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. Uh, around 50. So uh, I'll go slightly under. The only thing I worry about a little bit, the Chiefs have, especially under Spagnuolo, just played really good defense against Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah. last season, and this is a game a lot of people liked Baltimore at home against the Chiefs. Lamar Jackson, 15 of 28, 97 yards, 3.5 yards per attempt. Mark Andrews, eight targets. So Lamar threw it 28 times. Mark Andrews had eight targets, three catches, 22 yards. Like, there's a, there's a low floor, a lower floor than we think uh, for this Ravens offense in this game. Uh, because Spags just schemes up. They always know exactly how to play Lamar, you know, make him make the tough throws outside, make him, you know, make progressions in the pocket. Don't let him run. Um, you know, he only ran, what did he run? He ran eight, nine times for 83, uh, what was it? 83 yards. So it's, he had like, a, maybe only like a carry under his normal average. And, and he was, he was actually over his average, but he fumbled twice in that game, lost one of them. And uh, yeah, didn't get over 200 total yards combined rushing and passing. So yeah, I'm I, I like I might have to lower and I have him as my tight end four right now, and I have him right around 50 yards. But I I feel more confident about a guy like um, like Hawkinson or uh, who, who else or Higby even maybe. Yeah, no, Hig that, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I I have Andrews 
Number four as well. I would not be surprised if he just goes nuclear this week. Um, but I think Higby and Hawkinson are safer plays. So yeah, they, they might go, they might leapfrog him and he might end up being my tight end six. Yeah. But yeah. you know, if you have him in fantasy, you're playing him anyway. And I think he's going to bounce back, but yeah, the, the tight end position is just stacked right now. So I just love Kyle throw Kyle Pitts and even Noah Fant in there. Hell throw you. Yo, Sleep it on my guy, Logan Thomas, man. I you know. And Logan Thomas, okay, there's 10, <laughs> That's the cutoff. <laughs> Logan Thomas, that's it. Robert Tunyon is the drop-off. Oh, right man. He, yeah, he didn't have a good week one. Uh, all right, cheat code. Michael Hardman. And, you know, I, I see people making fun of the Michael Hardman truthers got their ass hand to him. No, they didn't. He ran a route. Let's see. What was it? 83% of the time. That's all we're asking for, for him to be on the field. Um, Demarcus Robinson was running his wind sprint 70% of the time. That's fine. Byron Pringle wasn't used as much as I thought he would. He had a 20% routes run rate. So I think, you know, especially this week against the Ravens, they're going to do everything they can to try to slow down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Ultimately, they'll fail. I understand that. But I think Nico Hardman could break loose for a couple deep plays. He's a great GPP flyer this week. I think people are going to be sleeping on him um, because he's, he's getting that playing time. And honestly, that's all you're asking for. I think it's only a matter of time um, before he, you know, Pulls in a couple deep passes. Yeah, it, I mean, he's on the field with Patrick Mahomes, and he, you know, it's there's going to be weeks where he just goes nuts. Uh, we're not going to be able to project it necessarily, but I like the idea of kind of when everyone's down on him, buying low. And he did have four catches, 81 yards and a touch in the meeting last year. Uh, so he had more yards than Tyreek Hill. They both had a touchdown. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and so don't play him in cash. Obviously, he has, he has a really low floor, but that ceiling, he's more likely to hit it now that he's actually on the field. Yep. Uh, for me, it's Clyde edwards Um 25 touches, 134 yards in the, in the meeting last year, but he got 78% of the carries and 68% of routes per drop back. That was about 20% higher in each than I had his baseline heading into the year. So... He got substantially more usage than I thought he would uh, in, you know, in week one. And again, he was, he was the guy they really leaned on against Baltimore and, you know, Josh Jacobs with a bum toe, you know, he didn't, he wasn't that efficient, but he was able to get in the end zone a couple of times. I, I don't think this Baltimore defense, especially, you know, all these guys in a secondary are dropping left and right. They're going to have to play with uh, Mahomes to pass. Like they're going to have to play almost like KC plays and you're like, yeah, you want to run for four or five yards a pot with Edwards Elaire, do it because, you know, guys are dropping like flies and on this Baltimore team, but you know, in the, in the defensive side of the ball now too, uh, I just, I think it, it could, this could be a sneaky big spot for uh, Edwards Elaire. So uh, like him uh, in this one and let's, let's finish up with Lions Packers, Aaron Rodgers passing yards that got to go there. Just got to. Yep, here we go. Uh, over under 282 and a half. I want to go over. I have it at 280. Uh, but I, this could be a blowout. But I'm, I'll probably raise it a little bit because Detroit gave up 11 and a half yards per attempt to Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel. And, and the, 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 the 49ers' true number one receiver didn't even catch a pass. So, um, yeah, it was scary how bad Detroit's pass defense was. So I'll, I'll go over. I got I got to bump his projection up a couple. And they times. lost Okuda. Not that he's like a shutdown corner, but you know they're really digging into the depth now. So Okuda's out for the season. Yep. 
And yeah, you, you know that Aaron Rodgers is out for blood this week. He has to redeem himself. Relax. So. R-E-L-A-X. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's your cheat code in this one? Well, I, I think obviously it's you want to attack this Packers offense. I think you can make a case for Aaron Jones, obviously. But I'm going with MVS here. Um, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to air it out here to to prove a point. And MVS is the dormant volcano ready to explode this week. Uh, he was quiet last week, uh, three catches for 17 yards and no touchdowns. Um, but he ran around 70% of the time. So, uh, and he saw a 24% target share. And they've kind of hinted that he'd sort of be the number two receiver in this offense. Um, Randall Cobb was pretty much irrelevant. He didn't really come in and play, and he didn't even get a catch until Jordan Love came in the game. So MBS is the number two target in this offense and against this Lions secondary, that's very scary. So I think we could see a massive, massive game from MBS here. Yeah. MBS, that was kind of the report out of camp that he had, he had pretty much locked up that number two job. I think the biggest, well, not surprise, surprise, but Alan Lazard, you know, playing in this, like winning that slot role over Randall Cobb. You kind of thought, you know, Rogers lobbying for Cobb, maybe that would do it. They also had Rogers there, but uh, Amari Rogers, but uh, yeah, they, they went with Lazard as, as their third guy. So, um, but yeah, my DFS, she goes Aaron Rodgers Cause yeah, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, he's going to air it out uh, to prove a point. He's going to be mad, I think. And, you know, Devonte Adams, obviously still there. You have MVS. I think he could get a couple long touchdowns, but again, this is the team that gave up 11 and a half yards per attempt to Jimmy G. They gave up, you know, Trey Lance comes in the game, throws his first career pass, <laughs> touchdown. Like, to Trent Sherfield, the guy who was, like, the special teams receiver on the Cardinals. Like, this – and he's had a great camp, so I'm not trying to shit on Trent Sherfield. But, um, yeah, last year, you know, no interceptions against Detroit, three touchdowns in one of them uh, on 290 yards, 240 and two in the other one. Um, so, you know, the yardage wasn't always there, but he's going to be efficient. Uh, I, I just think I just think he's going to go off, though, in this one. I think it's going to be – it's definitely going to be kind of a point proving game for him. So uh, it's one of those situations where I might, I might put him in my captain spot in, in some DFS, you know, usually you try to go with a, a receiver in tournaments, but uh, Rogers, I mean, I think MVS is a great play too, though, for, for a savings in a, in a, in like a captain spot kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, love Adams, love Rogers, love MVS, love the PAX passing game, Aaron Jones. I mean, he, he should have a good game too, but I really think everyone's looking at Rogers right now. Like he, they're like, Oh, you know, he's the guy that messed it up. He's the guy that's going doing all this extra stuff and jeopardy and this, that. So I think he's, they're going to have to make a point with, with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so that's going to do it for the, Fantasy Flex Week 2 Matchup Podcast. Be sure to check out the Fantasy Flex feed. Subscribe if you haven't already. Again, we went to the new feed this year, so we could give you five episodes per week. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can find us both at those same handles in the award-winning Action Network app. Be sure to check out our fantasy tool and content at actionnetwork.com and our DFS content at fantasylabs.com. Until next time, let's get this money.